Welcome back, everybody. You're listening to Lost in the Groove with your host, Mike and Dave. Today, we'll be talking about life, society, as well as we can make things better, start a new day for a better tomorrow. Let's continue with the intro music so we can start today's podcast. Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of Lost in the Groove. Uh, Today's episode, we are going to be talking about the right to be white syndrome. Uh, This is a very interesting topic. In many ways, odd, sad, a little bit depressing. Most importantly, why now? Mike, do you want to take this away? Yeah, I'd love to. Shoot. Well, you know, I think this would probably be a good place to begin with, uh, like, fascism. And we've had private conversations between you and I as we talk about... Uh, yeah, the, 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 the weird Nazi people that had, like, the weird flag with the crooked windmill thing or something, <laughs> you know, that used to do the weird dance where, like... You got no kneecaps, man. What happened to your <laughs> kneecaps? <laughs> yeah, well, those yeah, people. So, so fat, you know, you think of fascism, you think of um, uh, Nazi Germany in the in the thirties, early thirties, the the creation by Adolf Hitler. Might I mention? Might I mention four feet six inches? So, was he really? Yeah, he was. Li- he, was like, he was a little guy. <laughs> with a big fucking mouth. <laughs> yeah, you know, little guy, huge personality. Well, I mean, leader and dictator of yeah. the Nazi party. And the the idea for back then may have been pretty ingenious. His idea was you have a superior race called the Reich. You have other groups who need to be cleansed and help by working to make the Reich operate. You know, the the groups of people were put into different so-called places. People were uh, were they, put. They were called. Um, they were called concentration camps. Right. You, you really have to concentrate to understand what kind of camp it was. But yes, that's... well, there was a purpose, right? Oh yeah, big time. Eliminate yeah. the problem. Or or put them to work. Yeah, you know, free yeah. free labor. I'm pretty sure there's a there's a country out there even now doing something very similar, except oh, they call yeah. them they call them labor camps. Hint, hint. I don't know if any of you guys <laughs> can think of who I'm talking about. Leave them in the comments. <laughs> <laughs> so you had all these different people. They put them in different workplaces, segregate them by their race, religious beliefs, sexual orientation, and from this you would have a perfect society of people with a purpose. A part, and obviously a part of something bigger than themselves. Right. The main, the main issue about fascism, and it's another term for self-chosen people who decide the fate of others based on their own opinion of them. Yes, yeah, so true. God, it's so true. Yeah, like, wh- why do we bring this up? I mean, it's fascism is another excuse for harming others for self-gain. And we've seen this in many different forms as history has uh, 
played out and we look back through the, the century, undoubtedly, you know, we as a society love being in control. This is a, a species thing. We yeah. like to have we like to have control over others. Uh, over the way, things. Or things, yeah. yeah. Ideas, um, narratives, um, beliefs, you name it. Um, High school textbooks. Yeah. College textbooks. Mainstream media. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Big time. So, you know, the, the way the Nazis were able to pull this off was people in Germany were desperate. They wanted an excuse more than just fixing the problems. And some of the problems, you know, were all the blame that they received after World War I for causing that war. It was massive losses for, uh, for Germany specifically. Really high inflation. You know, their, their German marks were just worthless. They made dolls out of them. They fixed their house with them. It's true, actually. People use it as um, insulation after World War One. They just—I didn't know that. Yeah, they just stuffed it in their walls. Like, all right, this is good. Well, you it know, does the make, job. That makes sense, considering how cold Germany can get during the oh, winter. Yeah. Oh, you know, yeah. and if you don't have firewood, you gotta you gotta figure out something. <laughs> in all honesty, it's a very similar you know situation that we might be experiencing ourselves here in the States very shortly. Inflation is a very real problem, different conversation, but in any case, they were really desperate. They wanted, they wanted to fix an excuse. They wanted to fix the situation. They just didn't want to bear that burden. So all fascism did at the time was murder millions of innocent people in the name of peace and the right to forgetting what it is to be on the other side of the barbed wire fence with a sign in the distance saying, Arbeit macht frei. I don't know if I said that right, but you're close. If we were on a scale of one to five, I give you about a four. Uh, If I'm not mistaken, it's pronounced Arbeit macht frei. It's, um, It's a German phrase. It means work makes you free. That sounds very Chinese to me. Uh, <laughs> they must have stolen from Zaoism somewhere. But the weird thing is work makes you free is like the perfect term of like, well, I got money. I can control you and you can work for me. I can do whatever the hell I want to you. But I'm making money because <laughs> you're working for free. But it's it's horrible. I mean, that's what they used in front of the concentration camps, kind of like. This is what makes you free, man. Uh, that's an interesting way, uh, you know, of putting it, too, is all these people, millions of people locked up in these concentration camps and these labor camps. Oh, yeah. And to have this sign kind of gives them that false hope is like, well, if I work hard enough, will they fucking let me go? Obviously, right. the answer is no. Yeah. Yeah. Not if they're getting free labor. They're not letting you go. One big difference today is we've seen... We've seen what fascism has done, right? You know, like we've we see pictures. We've have museums full of this stuff of like what happened during World War Two, and you know this this like concept of how they were like just able to pull this whole thing off of like convincing not only Germany to believe in fascism and the Nazi Party, but literally controlling dozens of countries in a matter of just about a year or two it's just crazy you know and it's like that that would be that would be at the height of the of their empire it's like 
very much um, Nazi party gained a lot of momentum through the 20s and then through the 30s. But by 39, they were ready to r- really test out a lot of their strategies, their military technology. Yeah. It's very, you know, very much like how we are today in terms of military might is, you know, DARPA is constantly developing new military technology and applications. And you have yeah. a ge- and you have generals out there within the military who are like, man, I'm really fucking eager to test this thing out. We need a new war zone somewhere so I can see how this thing operates. I don't want to say what I want to say, but uh, COVID. Got to throw it in there somewhere. But, <laughs> you know, if you look at fascism modern today, one of the biggest organizations we have here in the United States is the white nationalist. They are the largest white supremacy group that we have in the States. This always comes up where Donald Trump is the reason why we have so many white supremacy groups rising in numbers and they're able to quote unquote um, do their evil deeds and, you know, pillage the villages, even though this is not the 1600s. But anyway, I, I, I kind of see that perspective, but I also see it a different way. I kind of see where whatever reason he wanted to become president, I feel like the way he had his stature, the way he spoke, that type of attitude, whether he meant it or not, relates well with certain types of people, predominantly in my own personal opinion. I think like white nationalists or KKK or neo-Nazis. But that doesn't necessarily mean that's the only rise. So you have to ask yourself this. Like really want to look at the broader picture is, you know, I live in the state of New York and the justice system over here, if they have someone that commits a crime because of white supremacy, they will lock you up for God knows how many years. Like, it's not it's not so simple. Like, they will throw you in prison. No questions asked. So there are many states like this that are very harsh towards these types of groups. Now... The media likes to paint this picture that fascism and all of this um, white nationalists, KKK, they're all out to get us, you know, and they're going to do the purge. Uh, what's the point of scaring the living shit out of people? And then now people are terrified. What's the point of terrifying people? I mean, for media, it's a lot of clickbait. They want to make money. Uh, I think even in this last quarter or two of this year, oh, their, profits, their profits have dropped substantially because Trump yeah. is no longer in office. I mean, I'd say that's the fear mongering is that it gets clicks. It uh, it stirs up emotion. Well, you know something, because we have a Gerald Ford's uh, successor, they could just take the crap that they did in the 70s when Gerald Ford was president and just apply that to the media. Now, there was a lot of comedians making a lot of jokes. They could make a lot of clickbait on that, you know? Sometimes you got to look back at the past, 
and realize we kind of run into the same scenario and you just say to yourself, we could just reuse <laughs> that shit back over there and take care of it. Right. And it'll work. But, yeah. you know, I, I do want to say this is that though Trump's base may have seemed like uh, white nationals, he did have a lot of support from African-American community. There was there, there was I'm a not, I, I, that's the thing is I said his persona, his meaning perso- OK, his persona, like, the you, you know, the the way that he represented himself, he may not have v- represented himself because of that. I don't think he does. He did. But that type of persona attracts certain types of people. The same thing with when Barack Obama was the president. You know, the white community or white Americans were kind of pushed to the side for eight years. And for a short while, minorities were like like the majority. Like that was the whole thing. That's just sometimes how life is. It throws you a curveball. Things change. You know, you can't blame the president. That like, why did minorities have such success rates? Well, his persona was he was the first black African president that we ever had. So that's what happened. That's just life. I agree to disagree, but I don't want to digress too much from today's topic that we have for today. I mean, yeah, yeah, I know Obama was the first black president and that seemed like it was going to be a huge change. And he ran on that campaign. But if we look closely he made sure that the changes that were supposed to be done really affected his donors. The greater majority of people from all backgrounds, all minorities or majorities were, we were all thrown aside. Uh, no matter who I've spoken to uh, from that spectrum, like a lot of people were unhappy with his eight years and somehow we gave no, him, no, 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 somehow, no. We, somehow we gave him another four years <laughs> after the first four years. Again, it's you're right. Like, look, that that's another topic for another time. I'm, I'm just from a general standpoint. That's the kind of idea I'm going with. But there's a deeper there's a deeper story to what I was saying earlier in regards to the media kind of having this idea of scaring the living shit out of people so that they can be able to make more clickbait and be able to make more money. I think a lot of this stems from American propaganda. Right. You were at, like you were asking, you know, what's the point of scaring the shit out of people across the nation with this type of content that they pump out 24 uh, seven that um, particular groups of people are out to get us and there's going to be violence. And in a lot of ways, it's uh, that's what I believe it is. Just just monetizing on the the current situations. That's what their job is. Uh, but, yeah, and they're and they're very good at it. I mean, there's so much news. There's yeah. so much news. Twenty four seven. There's so much news coming through in um, every country. Yeah, L- literally. Surprises, yeah, it surprises me that some really important shit just doesn't make it on the news. But yeah, but something else in its place that I don't feel is as important, you know, becomes the highlight. But it's like this all the fucking time. Yeah. You mentioned American propaganda. Just expand, expand on that. I'm going to step out while we're doing this. I think we should start the little clip we have for, for today's sponsor. We'll see you guys in a couple of minutes. Well, you know what? Let's expand more on the American propaganda. You know, the United States was famous during World War II. They created a slew of campaigns and ads 
all criticizing the treatment the Nazis were doing to people in Europe. Yeah. You know, oh, in, wow. Yeah. In the 1940s, because of all this propaganda, a lot of Americans were very patriotic. They, they were able to get many, uh, many people into the workforce, including women for the war effort, primarily because did you, we needed to Did you to ever send- see, did you, I always, you ever saw that poster? I don't know what it's called, but it's, it's a gal in, in overalls. And she yeah, has a bandana. Course. I it's always very famous. Yeah, it's very famous. And it's just like that is like the epitome of American propaganda, like right in front of you, and nobody ever notices. It's like they're painting a picture to kind of manipulate the idea of like, oh, you're a woman, but you're a hardworking woman. You know, there's there's more layers behind it. Anyway, I, well, well, I feel like that was primarily because they needed more men on the war front. And so in order to continue production of the war effort, they needed a workforce. It's not like they had automation of today to be able to take over. So they needed a workforce. That was primarily what it was. But, you know, what's interesting from that is the data they got from that period of time, they realized, you know what? we should get women into the workforce. And that's what we saw through, you know, I think the seventies and eighties. Yeah. uh, Oh yeah. As more parents instead of staying home. Oprah was like a, Oprah was like a perfect example of this. Like she was like that woman that like built her own empire. Yeah. Yeah. Billion dollar, multi-billion dollar empire. But you know what they learned from it? If both parents are working, there's more tax revenue. And guess what? Women like to consume more than men. And that's, that's what they learned is that empowering women meant more spending, more taxation of income, more taxation of consumer goods. And it kind of worked out for the overall, I want to say country in that sense, but it was all really for the war effort in the forties. Now, think for a second, did the United States have to go to such an extreme to create a lot of this propaganda, like hiring Walt Disney? You've mentioned this to me so many times in in our conversations where they make cartoons for children explaining. You can actually, um, whoever's listening, you can actually go on YouTube, literally just put in Walt Disney, World War II cartoons. He made a bunch. They were really very graphic for children like there was one of like uh donald duck had this vivid dream of like he was in nazi germany here you have like donald duck like this angry quacking little cartoon thing that runs around (laughs) it's like working on making these missiles and bombs in nazi germany and you're just like this is what they're showing children in the 1940s it's real it exists this is crazy. It's fucking absurd. It is. Uh, early marketing attempts, you know? Oh, they, yeah. They learned a lot from those experiences. I mean, and now, and now we have CGI. Giant billboards enticing, you know, women to join the work force to help the war effort. Yeah. And all other kinds of things they put all over the place. They did this to see more and to, and to make it more significant than it really was. So people would have that uh, scare factor and 
Not, would, not like not like Scary Movie Two. No, not not like, <laughs> not like Scary Movie Two. No, uh, and 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 that factor was very real, you know. Just um, yeah, in in the sense of you know instilling that level of fear, and that was just you know that was the the propaganda of the time. I mean, you fast forward, and then you have Pearl Harbor. Like that shit was real. You know, you have propaganda, yeah, but- and then and then you have something very real that happened that. You yeah. know, even furthered the, the the scare tactic and actually brought it to the doorsteps of America to and, and made it feel so much more real than just, you know, a marketing campaign to get people to understand that, hey, we need more people to participate in the war effort in, for production, for less consumption. I believe at the time they there was a, a lot of different things they were doing. I mean, they wanted you to consume a little bit less so that, you know, they, they'd be able to have either more rations or more supplies or more of whatever to be able to send to the front lines. And I mean, it's insane. The, the level that they were operating at going from that period of time all the way to till today, it's very evident that um, Hollywood and government have, have worked together for a long period of time. Oh like, yeah. Oh my like God. That, that yes. was, the, that was yeah. the beginning where they saw like the, Hey, this was effective. Yes. We can make it better and work on it, but that's what they did. They actively worked on it and made it better. And you know, what we have today is the end product of something that developed. So, so long there ago. was, um, there was a TV show there. It's still in the making. It's called the expanse. It's on Amazon prime. The show was originally designed by actual scientists. It's a story about in space and how we were able to travel and build colonies. And the really interesting thing was the show got canceled from its original sponsor. I don't remember who originally had it. And then Amazon took it up. I think the reason why it actually generally was canceled was this is where you had Hollywood was creating a show that potentially is built on actual fact. Not some kind of bullshit crap that you hear in these science fiction movies. I mean, they added some special effects. But anyway, the point is that combination doesn't necessarily work. And it actually was successful. The problem is, is that something like that, when it's successful, allows people to have their minds more open. That's terrifying for government. <laughs> you know, it's worse than when the IRS come in or collect our tax. That's their fear. Fucking fucking theft. Yeah, but well, you know when it blows. You know this is this is for another topic, but it blows me away that you know cannabis is being legalized now. The the number one gateway drug that uh, that forces people to open their minds and and think for themselves. Or as Nick uh, as as Nixon put it, it's on the levels of heroin because because <laughs> cannabis puts you in the hospital where you have to be on drugs for three and a half weeks, right? Cool man. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah, the guy. Yeah, the the guy who got impeached. Yeah, for uh, right. stealing information and spying on other governments. Cool. Which, which yeah, which is insane because uh, when you think of it, that's exactly what we do now. And uh, like Snowden blew that open, wide open. Hence, why he's still in Russia and still not allowed to step foot on his native soil, the United States. But and that was then they were doing that then. Uh, and it was a big no, no that uh, I guess that he got caught. It's OK if you don't get caught, it, you know, in any case, as uh, 
as we get off topic, let's get back onto topic. And, you know, the, the point oh, yeah. of all this was to, uh, <clears throat> to do something for the war effort or be terrified. But then, wait a minute, the government steps in and says, we took care of the problem. And we look up. We look up at them like a bunch of puppets and we say, oh, thank goodness. They saved the You're fucking gone. day. <laughs> and this is the, t- this, is oh, the tactic, yeah. this is the tactic that the government has used and it was used back then in the 40s as well in the 30s and 40s by Nazi Germany mm-hmm. but you might ask yourself well what are they gaining by spending the billions of dollars to scare people and for what what is the benefit and you know I'll, I'll let you answer that oh god the things that are coming up in my mind so many things uh, you got to see the trouble now. Well, it's kind of my specialty, but I'm going to try to keep it on the down low. I think the biggest benefit is trust. See, one thing about a puppeteer, a person that's, um, that has the puppets on its strings and it's moving it, the puppet needs to work with his hands. So if the puppet, something's wrong or it's too heavy or something... He can't properly maneuver it. So there has to be that kind of trust. So fortunately, we're, as you put it, the puppets and the government is the puppeteers, not like Pinocchio, but they give off and drain and literally drink the living blood out of people's bodies by creating this fiction of truth. We love you people. We can't wait until all you fucking die. So you don't have to pay you social security anymore. My thought would be more so like what we mentioned in the beginning. It's just mostly control, right? The mm-hmm. ability to control how you oh, think, yeah. how you feel, what you fear, what you don't. Uh, and ultimately having the, the, uh, the say of whatever happens, whether it's locally or internationally. And they've done it so very well over the years uh i think they've added today, they've added different flavors like there's yeah. rocky road pistachio <laughs> you know just like george carlin said yeah you have choices you have freedom your choice is pepsi or coke motherfucker <laughs> yeah it's pretty much got those only two options <laughs> you better pick the right one yeah, well they're both wrong <laughs> You know, they say two wrongs make a right. So you got to have at least one that's actually working. It's such an odd thing to even like contemplate because how could this even be? You know, it's like there's more of us than there is of them. Like how many people are actually in the government compared to the actual people who live in this country? There's a lot more of us. But that's the reason for for the amount of propaganda and, and like oh, mainstream media yeah. control. Yeah. Because there is more of us than there is them. And hence why it's so very important for them to maintain that uh, the illusion of freedom, to maintain the, the control over narrative. It's so crucial. And I mean, modern day, today, this very moment in time, there's less trust in government than there has ever been, I think, ever before. Each individual person feels powerless to do anything. I mean, your voice is your power. This is, you know, this is why you and I do what we do on on this podcast. Yeah. Is 
for all you listeners, you empower us so that we can empower you Amen. With, our, with, oh. with our voice and our opinions and our thoughts of what is going on and, and showing the clarity and the, um, you know, the correlation between then and now. So it's, it's a difficult topic and we could be, we could get into trouble for some of the things that we say, but someone has to say, Mike, Mike, hello. I'm Jewish. Okay. I have every right to talk about this. So if they want to go ahead and censor this, well, they got to speak to the Jew that runs this goddamn <laughs> podcast. Got myself covered just just a tad. You know, there was a, you've heard of this. It was called Operation Paperclip. I think this is really important to kind of throw in here. It was where after World War II, they took all the Nazi doctors and scientists and um, physicists, and they brought them to the United States, gave them full citizenship. They changed their names. So these people slaughtered upon thousands of people in a period of or, five years. Or more. Or Maybe more. Tens of thousands. Tens hundreds of, of thousands. Yeah. yeah. These, were, these were some of the top scientists. I'm yeah. very well I'm very well aware. I know a lot of Americans are are aware of it too. Um, you know, the policies that we have and the mechanisms that we have in place today are because we brought over such minds here. Also the uh, race for space. A lot of people don't realize it's the reason why the Americans were able to get to the moon first is we had Nazi scientists that had Correct. documents from the 1930s. America found out about this, that they were working on spacecraft that would allow a person to actually be in there and travel through space. So we literally use murderers so that we can be the first one to reach the moon. It's an incredible accomplishment, but it was done by letting murderers, people that slaughtered people because they were, they like men or they were black or they were a gypsy or they believed in Jesus. And I mean, like, come on. It was the lesser of two evils. You, you're oh, let the, yeah. You know, you're going to let the Soviet Union take them. You right. Because America is innocent. I mean, of course, you know, I, I don't think Stalin was an was an angel either. You know, well, who you know, if we if we didn't get them, Stalin was going to get them. If Stalin didn't get them, you know, who would get them? The Brits would have gotten them. If the Brits didn't get them, the uh, the Aussies would have gotten them. If the Aussies didn't get them, you know, maybe it would have fallen into Japan's hands, possibly, as they were allies already, assuming we didn't nuke them the way we did. But yeah, like the lesser of the two evils. But, you know, you fast forward 20 years from that point you, and, you know, you have interviews of Werner von Braun, the guy who created the V2 rocket. Yeah. Br brilliant guy. He's the reason he's one of those 3000 some odd scientists brought over here. But he was the reason why we made it, in, uh, why we had a viable rocket to get into space. Yeah. Because he had, because he did design the the you know the initial rockets that were it was bombing a pro the shit, yeah, it was a bombing the shit out of Britain. Yeah, but, but I don't know if you know this. It was originally a prototype. So a lot of people don't know this in history. When Germany attacked London, they they were prototypes. Actually, the first planes to uh, drop the bombs were like the first, I think, 10, 
10 or 11 prototypes that they made. They were like this. Germany was always throwing in things that weren't completely done, and they actually worked. And the reason for this was is they had a completely different way of how they ran their test, which we actually use till this day in the United States in regards to chemistry. But it's I, but this is this is the way things are. I mean, you can be in the sandbox forever. So I would say there's two aspects to it. One is, you know, they were definitely pressured because the the war efforts were going south. It wasn't going the way that they hoped, and that was yeah. primarily primarily attacking Russia was a very very bad idea. If, you know, um, not that I'm a sympathizer, but I'm just saying from a from a strategist. Um, didn't make it. It did. It really. It did not make any sense. It didn't. No, it didn't. And and it made things much harder to fight a, a three or four front war. We're talking Eastern Front, Western Front, land, air, sea. You know, it's it's a very difficult war to to maintain. But um, so they were pressured uh, to to get things into production. But then it was also the fact, like I like I said, you can't be in the sandbox forever if you want real world, you know, feedback and yeah. results. So though it's half finished, you know, if you put it into the real world application, you can see how it performs and you can make adjustments based on what, you know, what you have seen. It's not ideal because you are wasting resources. But to make the point, 20 years after that, Werner von Braun in interviews was saying on his deathbed in the hospital, he was saying that the biggest fear he had was militarization of space. So you fast forward 50, 60 years after that, look at where we are today. It's called Space Force. Not saying that it's a bad idea because someone is going to do it. And I don't think we should allow China to do it first. But that was a fear he had 50 years even before it happened, meaning that they were fucking thinking about it as far back as then. Yeah, I mean, it's also so here's an interesting thing that people do not remember. When we had news, uh, originally news was broadcasted, so usually most people would listen to local uh, channels, and then they would have also anything that was outside. So over time, they started to be bought off by private investors. Those private investors were run and funded by the government. So they... Over time, and I would say probably in the past 25 years, these investors and Republicans and Democrats, they started buying these news outlets. You know, a perfect example of this is Fox and CNN. It's pretty obvious that Fox is very Republican. Most of the people on there are white. And with CNN, they have a Democratic approach. So you you can kind of see this thing of like the red and blue news outlets. They try to hide it. You can't see that. They try to hide it. But there are times where they don't. And it's where we went from just giving over news for now companies that want to purchase all of this to now it's like, ooh, we're Republicans and we owe news outlets and we can spread our propaganda to you. And it's like the Democrats can do the same thing. So it's just so interesting that like... When you tell this to people, I always run into this problem. Whenever I tell this to anyone, they're like, really? I never thought about that. I'm like, what? 
You've never thought about that? Like, no. Isn't it obvious? Oh, yeah. I mean, people are busy with their with their jobs and of their course. families, and they're just like, that's beyond. That's far beyond my pay grade to to worry about. But as an American citizen, you should you should think about these things. It's you know, it's uh, it is in the Constitution. That's why it was written the way it was, because they knew even back then, 300 years ago, that, you know, human behavior doesn't change. Not that much anyways. And they were concerned about it then. We are seeing exactly today why they were concerned about it, because uh, effectively we have given up a lot of these liberties for security. And as it uh, as one of these uh, presidents had said in the past, you know, if you're willing to give up your liberties for security you don't deserve either wow yeah oh god so i mean it's like what, what you're saying you know you ask people you'd never thought of this like they don't want to think about it because you know they realize they're virtually powerless in changing anything and you also channel out that that's that's also the thing like there's so much crap and just so much drama. It's like whenever I look at my phone and it's like there's a news, I don't even want to look at it because all I know is going to be like a kid got hit by car and guy in car was part of this and this group. And this group is now from this place. And it's interesting because we should give a care. I have no idea why. I'm like, what? why what's the point of writing this it's it's just it's crazy it doesn't apply it doesn't happen very often what's the point when am i gaining my reading this and it's just this constant repeat of this message over and over again of these stories it's like i feel like i'm watching a television show when i listen to the news I'm dead serious. It feels like a TV series. I mean, it's so well edited too, man. Oh my it's, God. It's incredible. They're mm-hmm. so good at it. If only we had an editing team like that. Well, you know, what could we produce? Well, we could first start with the NSA. They provide us with a really incredible team because they, you know, they want to make sure everybody is being heard and being listened to because they ah, love yeah, us. Bye. Yeah, they love, they us. love us. <laughs> <laughs> back to that's back to Edward Snowden again, man. Ooh, they, yeah, they love us. They they want to know everything about us. Yes, because we're I mean, interesting. I am a very interesting person to spy on. Look at my schedule. It consists of me getting out of a bed, going into a chair, and working eight hours listening to people's problems. So if that's interesting to the government, well, they're in for a treat. That's all I'm saying. Well, it only depends on the keywords you use that are, that are getting flagged, you know? Yeah. Every, right? It just depends. If you string together the right uh, phrases or the right uh, words. Like that, freedom? Yeah. And, you know, you mix in a few other key terms uh, that uh, I, I just don't want to say. No, it's okay. Cause I know. Yeah, because I know. And every listener should know, like, these are these are keywords that they are definitely looking out for. If you put them together in one sentence, you can expect a visit from uh, some some agents at your door asking you like, hey, you said these things. Why did you say these things? Yeah. It's happened before. Oh, so yeah. The, the, it's real. Know, the, 
the true story that's a lie. Yeah, I mean, um, expanding on all of it. If you've ever wondered, all these attacks, they're caused or, or done by hate groups. Now they're groups and then they're organizations. Well, these organizations get funds just like the media yeah. uh, did, did during that period of time. They get funds to carry out their deeds. I mean, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mention BLM, love me or hate me. That's, I feel like they're definitely one, one in that category. So where on earth are, are they getting the money to pay for a lot of the, you know, a lot of the uh, campaigns they run? And of course, they use social media for mass communication, mass rioting. I mean, um, you know, unique. it's it's weird because you see this all the time. It's where these groups come together. I'm not saying all groups are like this. It's like they care too much. Why are you being over nice? That's kind of my impression I get of this. Well, I genuinely I genuinely believe they just support you know, hate groups, they pay for the equipment, the publicity, you know, they, uh, they're pretty much a funding mechanism to, to push a, a, a specific narrative. God for, bless America. For, for division, you know, the, the purpose is division, you know, as a country, you are the weakest when you are divided. And I've thought about it so many times, the way to destroy a country isn't from outside, but from inside. That's kind of what we see, especially, you know, with uh, foreign powers, Today, if we're talking about t- today, foreign powers coming into our country, buying up land, agriculture, tech companies, just medical research, you name it, it, uh, it would blow your mind to think like why, you know, I get it, it's a free market, but at the same time, I thought national interests and national security was a, was a real uh, concern for those within yeah, uh, not those really. agencies. It's an old story. But it's it's such a true one where there was a book. It was called The Hunger Games. It, it takes place in the future where it's where the United States is called Pan Am and there's 13 districts. This whole story of where you have the capital, right? There's always one thing in control that's always controlled by something else that controls it, so it controls them. So it's like they're all in control of each other. They all hate each other. They all can't stand each other. The thing is, they'll never realize they all have the same thing in common. It's so odd and so strange. You know, just as they say, art mimicking reality. Mm. You know, or, uh-huh. or, or foreshadowing. It's a scary thought, but maybe that ties back into how you know, we have Hollywood and government working together as far back as nearly a century. But it scares the crap out of me sometimes just seeing what art is creating as uh, artistic freedoms to kind of portray what a future might look like. But you tie in some of these things and say, well, fuck, we're not too far off from this, are we? Yeah, goddamn. It's a hard topic, but I kind of sneaked this in earlier. COVID-19, I I have a lot of questions. I have a lot of them that are unanswered where it's a very weird pandemic because we don't really have an answer as to why it broke. Well, I mean, we, we have a lie that tells us why it came out. 
but we don't really know. And then there's this Delta variant and this thing that's happening. And, you know, we're literally talking about this. Fascism is back. You know, it's the new thing. Uh, kind of odd how it just happens to come out in November of 2019 and it happens to be that it hits America hard in about April. Just just happened. Just coincidence. We've never reacted like this uh, from other viruses. Such an overreaction. But but don't be afraid, you know, speak, speak your mind. What, like, what, what are your feelings? What are you what are you trying to say? Remember you mentioned earlier about sometimes you'll have government scientists that will want to test out an experiment? Absolutely. I genuinely believe that one of the two things that we're building on, because war with soldiers on two sides fighting is not really going to be a war of the future. In reality, two of those things is disease and technology. So think about this. If you can create a disease that is powerful enough that if you allow it to escape in the air in a controlled way where it only controls a specific area where you can literally wipe out all the people, you literally have the most incredible advantage. You're not getting rid of any resources. So you're not like having soldiers and artillery. That's a lot of money and a lot of money in taxes. All you just need is one guy that doesn't give a shit that he's going to die and just let him spread one disease. I think this was a government experiment. Or or a guinea pig, you know, didn't know, you know, he may have even had it. And that's a possibility, too. I, the, we, we get into a space of conspiracy, but there's so, there's so many aspects to the story that it's harder for me to believe that it's a conspiracy because of the way things were handled. And, you know... They like to change... Do you remember how the media liked to change the topic? all the time during the whole pandemic. It's like we were getting like crazy about COVID and then all of a sudden, whoa, whoa, June came along and then it's Black Lives Matter. And then like when Donald Trump and Biden was voting, it's like, oh, wait, 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 wait. we got to talk about fascism and, and white nationalists. And I say, it's like, why do you keep changing the topic? Like you were just going bananas about COVID-19 and then literally one day later, I saw this because like sometimes I'm in a coffee shop and I can see the TV. They literally switch the topic like in a matter of minutes. It was just like just complete transition. I'm like, doesn't anybody notice this? Like they were literally just talking about COVID. And then the next day they completely changed the entire topic. It's crazy. Ah, but that's that's media for you since oh, they control yeah. I, since, I know. They, since they control the information. I mean, they can change on a dime, and obviously, there's a there's a lot of special interest and special interest dollars that are pumped into these organizations. Regardless of, I mean, media has not been partial for a very long time, many decades now, especially yeah. since they've learned they can be profitable. <laughs> yeah, and this uh, this situation with this virus, it's it's very strange. I uh, there's it's nothing odd. There's it's nothing very odd. Yeah, there's nothing I like about the way it was handled and the way it kind of progressed. Even gain of function research is 
really um, it's understandable on one level, right? For right. those that don't understand gain of function. So the States, a, a few years back in the United States, it was banned to conduct this research here. So it was forwarded to China, to the Wuhan lab, and they were funded by American, uh, American companies to continue this gain of function research. So if you don't know gain of function, it means taking a virus and pushing its evolution as far as possible so that you can see how deadly it can be or what it can be or what it can evolve to, and then figuring out how to create a vaccine for it. Now, generally, this is how it is done when you are trying to find It's kind of vaccines. crazy. This is how it's done if you're trying to find vaccines and cures for things. But um, I don't, you know, I don't see why the benefit of this specific virus, like what's the benefit of this specific virus? Is it the <laughs> fact that it can spread very fast? I mean... I don't think it was finished. That that's the thing that I, I you tend to notice. I think what could have happened was there was a guy he was unnamed, no one knows who he was, in China that arrived to a hospital with COVID nineteen systems. I think something could have happened where either somebody escaped for whatever the reason may be, and the experiment was a bust because you got to remember something. When this all happened, we kind of had this illusion like, oh, COVID's in China. All right, whatever. It's a myth. And I remember like I came in, <laughs> I like I remember I came in back to Los Angeles in February in 2020. And there were just lines for like three hours. A police officer asked for my papers. And then he says to me, have you been in China? And I said, no. And he's like, okay, you can go through. I'm like, what is this? And he's like, that's classified. This is in LAX. I was like, this is very strange. What's classified? Exactly. Why is a police officer asking me if I've been to China? And the people are like, well, they were trying to find out if people from China were coming into the West Coast and they didn't want COVID-19 to spread. I don't think that was the exact reason. I think they were looking for that guy. For the for that specific person, yeah, uh, the one in one in the hospital, he yeah, must have like, tried to like, escape. Yeah, like Ground Zero. Yeah, uh, trying to find the guy at Ground Zero. If if he even made it out, I mean, I guess it could have been possible with those with those kinds of symptoms. I mean, uh, China's such a strict country. I just don't think that he ever really made it out. It would have been naive to think that uh, he he ever made it out and made it to uh, to any border outside of uh, outside of his native country. Most definitely, China knew. They they knew. How can they not? Yeah. Oh God. Yeah, it's true. And so, and someone did. Someone did come out early on. I think it was on uh, WeChat. It was one of those Chinese uh, applications, messaging applications. And um, he, you know, he made it public to the world that uh, there was something very, very different and wrong about this. Uh, about what we understood about this, he disappeared. There was other doctors that had come out with similar things, disappeared, did not a single word. Uh, those things can happen in China. I mean, uh, they I mean, do look happen. in the but look, look in the, state, the United States right now. They're trying to push push vaccinations for children, and they've went to such extremes where they. I saw this today. They hired this teenage pop star to read a script 
literally telling parents to get their children vaccinated. You know, it's like we have gotten to a point where not only in some ways we're worse than China because we're open of what we do, but into literally programming people to do you all getting vaccine. You have to. I don't care whether you have to. You must. You need to. Why? Why we all need to get vaccine? What's I'm 22 years old. Like, why would I need a vaccine for something that doesn't really affect my age group that much? I mean, for your age group, sure. For children, their immune systems are still developing. I mean, there might be some some reason for it, especially as uh, it continues to mutate. I mean, that's what viruses do. But the human body is, uh, sincerely, I say this, is perfect. The, the immune response to virtually anything that's generally not deadly. I mean, uh, it was designed to fight it off naturally. And so with this heightened level of security makes you wonder, so is this thing not really natural? They said it's natural, but if it is, why are we worried so much that we don't have faith in our, uh, in the way the human body processes these things and builds immunity to it? I did get the vaccine. My wife and I did get it. We got the first shots of the Pfizer one because, um, I don't know, she felt uneasy and she felt like it would have been the right choice. So I gave in. I didn't really want to, but I gave in because I love her. I want to, you know, I, I want to I want to do the right thing in, yeah. in, in terms of uh, in terms of coming to a decision. If we're going to do it, we're going to do it together. If we're not, we're doing it together. Well, that's different because, you know. But let me say this. It yeah. was so strange, David. Twelve hours go by. And the pain in my arm was unbelievable. And the whole day after that, I'm like, what the fuck did you guys inject me with that my arm hurts like this? What was in this shit? The pain was unimaginable. I, I've, you know, I've been vaccinated since I was a kid, right? As new we all have. We, yeah. we all have. We've gotten all these different vaccines. None of them have ever done anything like this. What is in this experimental fucking vaccine that was released in less than a year? that would cause such pain in the arm that got the jab. This is the point I was going to say before was we've never had in history of this country where when there was a pandemic, we had a vaccine in less than a year. There has never, and I love hearing the excuses well, the technology wasn't as advanced as ours or the other one, the other excuse is, well, this vaccine is different because we kind of got it under control and we also had something that was similar that could work towards it. I don't believe any of that crap. Have you heard of, uh, did you hear about um, ivermectin? No. So this, this stuff has been around for like, many decades proven to help just boost immunity and help with uh, just kind of fending off any viruses of this nature. And it was recommended very briefly on media, but then it was scrubbed. If you go and you look at um, a specific agency within the, within the United States that deals with viruses just uh, in general, 
the consensus was among that group of researchers was that no, ivermectin is a great choice. It's been around forever. It's proven to work and we should be recommending it. But because it already exists, there's no money to be made in it. And since we are printing trillions, trillions of dollars, you know, the big pharma should get a piece of this pie. I mean, of course, I look mean, at John, look at Johnson and Johnson. They released their their vaccine ineffective, but they kept all that money. And then what happened after? Do you do you know what happened after? They, w- they went into a federal lawsuit for the uh, for um, something relating to the opioid crisis that they participated in. And then they settled for um, X amount of billions of dollars. So it appears to me that they intentionally put or potentially intentionally didn't do the best job they could have on the vaccine to save money and then turned around and made sure they could settle and pay that off with tax dollars. And now they're free and clear. They're, you know, yeah. their, sharehold, their shareholders weren't affected by this, uh, by this lawsuit. There was no lost revenue. There was no lost, you know, uh, cash from their, uh, from their balance sheet. Well, the whole, the whole thing about big pharma is this is the unfortunate reality the reason why we still have a war on drugs is primarily because of big pharma. You see, pills are supposedly better than, uh, than using natural things that grow on the ground because pills are made in a lab by scientists and chemists, and uh, they have side effects. Isn't that odd? Something made in a lab has side effects. And you could take something natural, may not work as well, but you won't have that ability that you can't have children anymore or um, you'll have, you know, possibility of blood clots or a hemorrhage. The list goes on. So they're pushing these toxins, which can be beneficial, but they come with their negatives. And they're kind of like making it impossible for anything else to get in their way because they're big pharma. They got to shove America's asses full of pills, man. Just shoving wow. up there. Yeah. That's well, that's the way to get higher faster, you know? Yeah, Put it oh, in yeah. your ass. Put it in your ass, not in your mouth. <laughs> you know, funny fact, yeah, it is. But you know, the reality is, and this is in the conclusion of, you know, the general uh topic, is that they use fear as a way of controlling our outlook and then add fluff to make their claims more legit. That in itself, you know, is something they've done for a long time. This is exactly what the fascist regime back then was, was doing very well, too. It seems like we, we, you know, we take a lot from history and rinse and repeat. Uh, but it's something that America uh, never does. America is, um, we are a free nation. We're we, innocent. We're innocent until the blood drips on the coffin. <laughs> God. You know, when, when we're talking about just how, how powerful the media is, how, you know, the, these groups come into, you know, come to be and their funding mechanisms and, and everything like when was the last time we walked down the street, you or I, whether it's East Coast or West Coast, and we see hundreds of people waving a Nazi flag or, you know, seeing hundreds of people in KKK uniforms like we don't we don't see that. Well, but- I mean, if you have some religious leaders, 
and you have a bunch of people gone down the street with a pride flag, they might see that as being supremacist. But <laughs> of course, that's not true. But yeah, I, I've been alive but, for only I've been alive for twenty two years. I've never seen anything like that in my life. You got another eighty years to go. You might even you might even see you know a lot of things that uh, that uh, you've only imagined. But my point really is that though we haven't seen you know those aspects that I've described, we are seeing a a new and revised version of them, like these organizations that are coming into play, you know, today in modern time, they are, they aren't Nazi uniforms. They aren't KKK uniforms, but they most definitely are an evolved version of a lot of these things and the way they're organized, the way they're governed, the way they're using technology, social media, like these are, these are all aspects that uh, make them stronger and make them seem a lot bigger than they actually are. And again, you cut off their funding, and where are, where are they going to be? Out on the streets, waving flags, being like, we need money for our oh, church, our yeah. church, <laughs> which <laughs> you know, is really their drug stash. You know where they're going to be? They're likely to be in a very similar position as you and I, just you know, using their voices on a podcast, but you give them funding, massive amounts of funding and a position and get them organized. And all of a sudden, you know, they seem larger than life committing very serious, very serious um, acts across the nation and major cities, like what we saw last year of June. I don't know. I don't know if we can call those even terrorist acts. People may not like having to call it that, I'm not saying that that I'm against some of the ideology, like in all fairness. But when I was hearing about some of those uh, protests and businesses getting looted by BLM. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. That was terrible. Like like I prepared as a business owner. I prepared. I made sure that, uh, you know, for the most part, I was okay. that even if there was damages that I, I would mitigate the risk of the extent of the damages. But the thought was like, why? Why would you attack your own community members and steal from them in a time where there's, it's so, so difficult for small businesses? How does that fucking make sense to drive the point because none of, it, of dude, Black Lives Matter? Dude, none of it makes any sense. Never made any sense. No. Because here's the thing. Okay, there's always been racist. There's always been these goddamn white I like to call them white smokies. It's a phrase that comes from the wet, from the the Midwest. White smoky is your like lumberjack guy. You know, that's like six 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 five. And he's got like the little beanie. He's got the overalls on. Who is to say that that is even the one in charge? I mean, it's it's not even a reason to go out and make yourself decide how this is going to be and how you're going to be treated. I mean, like, it's unfortunate that there are groups that unfortunately are being terrorized by people that not only put them down, but view them as creatures of the deadliest bottoms of hell, which is disgusting. But unfortunately, we are humans and we are we are what we are. That's just reality, you know, and to get all crazy and go bananas 
uh, as, as I said before, you know, human nature behavior do, doesn't change much. No, um, and not hasn't, really. And, no. and hasn't changed much. So we have a lot of history to reflect on to, to show yeah. us just that. So when, when people say, you know, history repeats itself, they're coming from a place uh, of at least understanding that much that behavior doesn't change very, uh, uh, drastically. In a lot of ways, it, it may not change all that much even a century from now. And, I, and I've said this in our private conversations, like human beings learn the most when they're in, in the deepest of pain. Yeah. Ooh. Only, only to take the time to reflect on that pain, to realize where they have made uh, incredible wrongs and to write them and to improve their quality of life moving forward. And we'll it's think about not... it. We'll think about dictators like, for example, a Hitler. He was bullied, was criticized, ridiculed, never liked, and he had so much pain. And here he was, and people were cheering for him. Here he had a chance of turning around and being a star. You know, everybody would know who he was and four see him. Six. Hmm? Four, six, four feet, six inches. Uh, 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 yeah. yeah, he could have used his pain to actually do good for Germany, but he chose otherwise. You know, you have that ability where you get to choose what you do with that pain. But I, I also believe that it was the uh, the people he surrounded himself with. Like he could have done good things. But the reason why he took a different approach was potentially like, let's say, her, uh, I think it was Hermann Goering. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yeah. I, think that, I think that was his uh, prop- propaganda, the, the arm, uh, like the head of that arm of his organization. Mm-hmm. And, and just like any organization, when you're trying to, trying to get a certain result, using unethical tactics often will often yield the results you seek versus being the, the righteous uh, uh, person in the room and trying to do it in that fashion. So what do they, you know, the first incident was what the, uh, the, the terrorizing and the burning. Uh, oh of, uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, of uh, one of their, um, I think it was their government it was, buildings. It, it's it, in, it was a government built. Yeah. Exactly. In Berlin. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. They lit it on fire. Yeah. And then they blamed, uh, I think they blamed the Jews for it at the time and so was that well that was, was that, so was he that Hitler's first, idea well he first um he well he first assassinated the chancellor of germany right um that was the first mark and then to more ridiculize the party that was the government in because the nazis were a very small party so the way right. that they were able to push themselves in was they had to make the official party of Germany look puny and weak. So they had the chancellor was assassinated. Then they burnt down the big government official building saying, aha, you see, you don't even have control of your own people. And then that whole shift in 1933, the Nazi party became the official party of Germany and the rest was history. It's crazy. Fucking, fucking insane. Propaganda, man. But that's Built powerful. That's what- yeah, very powerful. That's why that's why I say that is that, you know, we don't know if that was Hitler's ideas or if it was, you know, the the ideas of some of his uh, members of cabinet at the time that, you know, were like, well, if we do it like this, 
we're likely to get a, a better position as a political party uh, and make our opponents look weak. Could there have yeah. been opposition? I mean, we weren't there. So we both could be, you know, off or a little correct. I think but- a good, I think a good, I, I this is going to piss off a lot of people, but I don't care, <laughs> is uh, socialism. Socialism, in many ways, if you really break it down, it has a mixture of capitalism and fascism and this kind of gray area it's very vague you know you kind of put this together and you have socialism you know you you have chai yeah it, it's it's kind of the same thing with how things are dealt with especially here in this country where we don't really have a very different stature of how we uh, consider this to be. You know, it's not just, we're not just a capitalist country. We're also a very socialist country. We also like copying the Soviets. <laughs> it's, it's so true. It's like people don't realize we're literally doing the exact same thing, like literally taking the text that the Soviet Union had and translating in English and then doing it literally in front of everybody, where same tactics, same propaganda, same crap, same type of idea. It's just the same story, but it's American. Not Russian. American. Makes no sense. It doesn't, but... There's always a reason and an agenda of why taking something in a direction. Yeah. Oh, guys, we've been talking for so goddamn long. Uh, Well, we actually have a Patreon page. If you guys would like to join, we want to have a chat where we can communicate or the option you can be a guest on this podcast. You can check us out at Patreon. We are under Lost in the Groove. Uh, thank you to all your listeners. We, of course, post podcasts every single Tuesdays for your groovy listeners. Catch you guys in the next one. Peace. <laughs>